0: Well good morning, you, uh, you got that part down well, that's good, you can be seated if you'd like and instantly all of you are thinking, did I black out, did I sleep through the singing and the answer is no you didn't but this is a special day for a bunch of reasons. Uh, one is that it's a holiday. Two is that Pastor Peter and Susie are with us and their family. Three is that we are committing the whole service to a time of worship around the Lord's table. Now, if we had the, uh, the electronics, the second I started talking, we were going re- we to be really cool and, and, and kind of, you know, do a multimedia first point. And up there it would have said, it's all about communion. So just imagine that's there it's saying it's all about communion. What do you see there? So it's all it's all which makes it sound like I'm going to take a few minutes to explain the nature of communion before we share it. And I am, I guess. But what I mean by it's all about communion is that for us Everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we go after needs to be about communion with God. And then, as an implication of that, communion with each other. It's true that, in general, when we're born again, when we're born into the family of God, the intent is that suddenly the, the focus of our lives changes. It, I love the way Paul says it. It talks about Christ in whom we move and live and have our being. And that is, that's exactly what it is we're called to be. My wife and I have this ongoing debate about, you know, are you saved by grace or are works involved? And she takes the rather... Weak theological position that. <laughs> yeah, be careful. She'll, she will get back. You know, and, I, and I, my point is listen, if it's grace and anything, it's not grace at all. But, you know, these last couple of weeks as I've been studying, I've come to realize that that's really the wrong debate in general. It's not about, well, you know, is it just grace or does there going to be works? And if so, how much works? The issue that we need to understand is that we're called to live in Christ Jesus. The whole thing is about being in Him. Ultimately, everything we do as a a Christian and, frankly, as a church needs to be about being in Him. And if we're all in Him, then we all know that we're close to each other too, right? That's how it works. I am absolutely jazzed that Pastor Peter has arrived. I think, I think I'm more excited than you are and I don't even get to stay. <laughs> but when that happens, you know, you know that every, everybody who's had a question or an issue or a problem for the last you know, 20 years going clear back to bud nobody could ever solve. They're going to come talk to you within the first two weeks and expect you to solve them, right? Because uh, we all know you walk on water, turn water into wine, uh, all of that stuff. At a time like this, with the coming of a new pastor, we're full of all kinds of questions. You know, are, are we going to have two services, or what kind of music is it going to be, or, or or how much of what kind of music, or, or what's what's going to change, what's going to stay the same? Listen, the answers to all of those questions ultimately needs to be, it's not what I like or it's not what I want, or it's not what I think. It's not even what will make the church really grow. It's none of that stuff. Ultimately, the answer to all of those questions needs to be, what's going to bring us closer to God? And in the process, closer to each other. Whatever we do, ultimately needs to be all about communion with God and therefore with each other. It's interesting when you ask that question, well, what's what's going to bring about communion? The answer to the question isn't always what's easiest or what's, what's most familiar. A lot of you have been married a lot of years. Sherry and I have been married for 41 years. Uh, Which is no. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Sherry will be quick to tell you that the secret of a long marriage is that she early on took the word divorce out of her vocabulary. She has never, in forty-one years, she says she's never thought about divorce, murder on several occasions, (laughs) but never divorce. What I've discovered in order to make a relationship work, let alone more than just to survive, but to work, a lot of times the stuff you got to do, the stuff you got to move towards, isn't what's easiest or isn't what you're most familiar with. I mean, think about it. If you keep doing the same stuff, you keep getting the same results. Which is what you're trying not to do, right? It's true in a marriage. It's true in a church. To make a marriage, or for that matter, to make a church work, you got to keep realigning the patterns of your heart. I think that's what it means when it says to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's about, it's about letting God realign how your heart works, what you long for and what you value, and how you instinctively react. It's interesting, I've I've been saying, Peter, you need to know this. I've been saying, hey, if we're going to be who God wants us to be at Mercer Island Covenant, we need to start thinking of ourselves as a startup up church. And I like the sound of that. I even think it's true. But you know what? I want to modify that. I want to amend it. If we're going to be who God is calling us to be as a church, we've got to get into the habit of asking, what's going to draw us closer to God? And therefore, closer to each other. frankly, that's where communion comes into the pattern. I I, I love communion. You maybe picked that up about me. There's something unique about standing at this place and saying those those words that were repeated over and over again in 40 years of serving communion it has never failed to choke me up a bit but is that you've knew no longer than i have yes there's something amazing about realizing that all of your heroes of the faith have stood in this same spot and said those same words you know Jim Elliot and Hudson Taylor and Aniram Judson and Luther and Zwingli and oh, even Jesus. All through the times. Maybe a different language. Maybe a different setting. But always those same words in that same event. I can't help but think about that history. Peter, you're sitting that close to the front. I'm curious. Everybody thinks, you know, preachers, you know, you got the script. You already know what to, to say. What do you think about when, when you approach the table and you're going to serve communion? I think as we uh, drove from Chicago to here, we weren't just driving. We were driving to something. And uh, this morning I'm reminded of what we were driving to. The destination, it's, it's this church. It's the body. We weren't driving to Mercer Island or to the Pacific Northwest. We are driving to a family, a community that we are going to be grafted into. And so I think for me, communion is really about the table. We're invited to partake, to not only experience the body and blood of Christ, not only to remember it, but to live it, to partake of it, and to be a body for us to all belong to one another, and experience what it is to embody the person, the spirit of Christ as a community. So that's what I'm thinking about. I, I love that, that that metaphor that, you know, it, it is about family and even the fact that we sit at a table and that it's a symbolic meal talks about being there and and being together. Frankly, the reason God gave us communion is that, Week after week or month after month, we've got that time to sit and be quiet and kind of realign our hearts to think through what are the basics. And I want to talk about that for just a second before we serve it. By the way, if you're gonna be serving communion while I'm talking, why don't you guys come 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 sit in that in the first two rows, or in the first row there, okay? Just while I'm talking. I wanna I wanna prepare you for the event that's about to happen. Because that's why God gave us communion. Uh, Think about the elements. Uh, We've done it so often, sometimes we forget. First, we share the bread. In our culture, you know, we're we're real carb conscious, and a lot of times people cut out bread. Uh, In the day of Jesus... That was not even a remote possibility. In fact, the word bread and the word food were pretty much synonymous. In, in many Eastern cultures, even today, when you greet someone, instead of saying, hey, how are you doing? They'll say, have you had bread today? It means, basically, is life making sense? In the day of Jesus, bread meant food. Bread meant a meal. You never had a meal without bread. I mean, you might have bread and olives or maybe just dipping in in olive oil remember in the book of ruth boaz tells the guys let her dip let her dip the bread in the in, in the olive oil that's just how that, that that's how a meal worked or the feeding of the 5000 it was bread and fish that's just what there for lunch i'm told that it was very very common to have a fish paste where they would take the whole fish and <laughs> pound it into a, a spreadable something but you put that on the bread You didn't have fish separate. They had bread and cheese. Often you just had bread and bread. But if you were eating, you ate bread. What he's saying is look, the one thing that you think of as most basic to life, if you're going to live, you're going to have bread every day. In fact, in, in Isaiah, it talks about a famine happening, and, and, and God says, I will break the staff of life. What's a staff of life? It's bread. It's a, we use the expression. Sometimes I'll use the expression, hey, let's break bread together. It means let's eat. What Jesus is saying is, dear ones, you need to understand my broken body, my death and resurrection as is basic to you as bread. Just like you wouldn't think about going through a day without eating, without bread. And if you did, it would would be hard, and you'd be dying, you'd be starving. He's saying, listen, you need to realign the the, the patterns of your heart so much that you think of your relationship to me as your closest to me, like you think about bread. I'm what gives you strength, says Jesus, day to day to day. And tomorrow morning, I'm where you start. Just like the first thing you do is you break fast. When he says take, eat, in remembrance of me, what he's saying is, dear ones, you gather as a family, and as you taste that bread, as you smell that smell you've smelled so many times before, realign intentionally the patterns of your heart to say, God, I want you to be that real. As real as this bread I'm taking as important to me as the food I eat. The other thing he picked as, as a reminder, as an, as, as, as an element, was, uh, was the wine. Marcus? Your mommy, and daddy, your mommy and daddy sit in the front row, which means you'll always be vulnerable to me. Okay, I want you to do something for me. I want you to take a deep breath, and I want you, I want you to plug your nose so you can't breathe, okay? And I take a deep breath, and just hold it. I'll tell you when to breathe again. A big, big breath. Okay, I'll... No, 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 no. Deep, deep breath. Plug it. Go, go like this so they can all see your mouth. Because we want to know you're not, you're, you're not sneaking a breath. Here, high, like that. Okay, now just hold your breath. I'll tell you when to breathe again, okay? When Jesus chose to give us some sort of a reminder of who he is. How's it going there, bro? He chose the one. No, no, you're not doing it. What do you mean you can't hold your breath? Why can't you hold your breath? You can do it in water, though. Okay. okay. But, but you can't hold it any longer? No, no. Why? How come you can't just hold it? It's just too hard. It's just, just too hard? It's too plugged. <laughs> can anybody hold it longer, longer than Marcus? Well, maybe a second or two seconds longer. But ultimately, you're probably going to have to breathe, huh? Do you know how come? Why? If I hold my breath too long, I'm pretty much going to die. Thank you, brother. You just preached the sermon. Hey, from the mouths of babes and infants, it's a reality. If you don't breathe, you die, right? Way back in the Old Testament, it says, to the Jewish dietary law, blood was considered sacred. He says, because the life is in the blood. Now, they didn't have the scientific theory that we have now. We understand that that's quite literally true. That the blood is what carries oxygen to every part, every cell of your body. And if you cease to have that life-giving oxygen in every cell of your body, what happens again, Marcus? You You die. Folks, that is absolutely so. And when Jesus has said, this is the blood of the new covenant, shed for the forgiveness of sins of the many, what he's saying is, dear ones, as much as every cell of your being needs oxygen to live, you need to need me. When we say, take, drink in remembrance of me, he's not just talking about the historic fact that Jesus lived and died, he's saying, remember that. Our relationship needs to be so vital that it's like trying to hold your breath to try and live without me. In fact, I've got a friend who practices the discipline often of just sitting before God and breathing. And as he inhales, he literally says, Lord, help me to take you into my being like the breath. And he exhales less of me, more of you less of me, more of you. In a minute, we're going to share the the cup of remembrance. I invite you to remember to realign your heart. To say, God, it's not true every minute, every day. I know it's not, but I want it to be. Draw me to you with that kind of a dependence and in the process, draw us to each other. One more element of communion. I, you're thinking heresy, there's only two. Well, yeah, that's, in a way that's right. But the third element of communion I want you to think about is you. It's funny. Too often when we're thinking about our lives, we think it's all about us, and yet when we need to think about us, too often we don't. What I want you to be aware of is, look, communion has not just the bread and the wine. It has no meaning unless you're doing it, unless we're doing it. And when we do it, I want you to be thinking, it is all about me in that sense. We come to God, think about it, with absolute confidence. We come to Him as Abba Father. We get incredible things. We get, we get access, the right to talk to Him. And know He hears. We get a love that you cannot earn and you cannot lose. We get protection. We get guidance. We get hope. In that sense, we come to the table and we say, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that we can come in absolute confidence to Him knowing that we're His through Jesus. At the same time, it's not all about me. Ultimately, it's about God, and that's huge. Because coming to the table reminds us that we're coming through the cross. We have absolute access to God. We have absolute freedom To to come with, with boldness, not because of something we do, not because of who we are, not because of what we like, not because of what we know, but because Jesus gave us the gift of life through his shed blood, through his broken body. And what it says is, dear ones, we're all in this together. Because every man, woman, child in this room comes to the cross of Christ with exactly the same stuff. our own sin and separation. And coming to be reminded that, that He wants to be so involved in our life. He's like the bread we eat, the blood that brings us life, puts us all into a very humble mode. It's saying, listen, it's not about me. It's all about Him. And I come purely and exclusively as His gift. I come in need of grace. I come in need of forgiveness. And I know with absolute confidence that I receive it. One of my very favorite songs in the world is one we don't hear a whole lot anymore. But if anybody, if you've ever been to a Billy Graham campaign, Billy Graham service, you've heard this song. Although it's interesting to me. As I was thinking about this, I realized there's a whole generation that's never heard this song, that doesn't know what it means. So as we come to communion today, we're going to start with that song. Understanding that the, the, the third element of communion is you, and that you come, not because you're so good, not because you're so smart, not because you're so perfect. You come just as you are without one plea, but that Jesus Christ died to give you the right to become his child. That Jesus Christ called you to come to receive life and hope and direction and being. Dear one, it's all about communion with him and therefore with each other. But it's all about coming exactly as who we are.